even if you leave it and you don't deal with why you are racking yourself with shame, why you're building a self-made prison, it's just going to show up in other places. Oh, he's a good coach. We ought not to have shoulds in our life. Like we shouldn't have shoulds. Um, I always tell people don't should all over yourself. This is Philip Van Nostrand, and you are listening to the Epic Freelance Life Podcast. How to make more money and live an epic freelance life. All right. This is Phil Van Nostrand. We are back with the Epic Freelance Life Podcast. I'm really excited to talk to be here talking today with Chad Brown. Chad, why don't you introduce yourself real quick? Thanks so much for having me, Phil. I appreciate it. <laughs> Good. Me too. I'm- I'm excited for the conversation. Ever since we caught up, I mean, for the first time a couple of days ago to see if this was a good fit, I've just had this conversation in mind. So I'm yes. excited to be here. Really appreciate the space and just am so grateful for your curiosity, even in the, in the conversation that we had. Uh, yeah, my name is Chad Brown. I'm a coach. I work mostly with men, um, business owners who have families who are finding the tension between spending meaningful present time with their families uh, and also running a successful business. Anybody who is in this space probably knows that it's an incredible experience to grow a business. It can also be incredibly taxing and um, demanding of both time and attention and emotion. Pretty much in every realm, it's demanding. And we can lose what we think is most important for us or what we say is most important for us. And for the guys that I work with, most of the guys that I work with, that's family and connection and presence with their family. And so we work, we, we start by working on the business. And most of these are freelancers, freelancers, a lot of artists, a lot of people in the video space, actually, video and photography space. Cool. And uh, we work on the business first to get organized and clear what are our, what are our jet objectives are there? What are we about? What are we committed to? And once we're clear there, uh, then that frees up so much space for us to be present with our families. And then we start working on what does it mean to be present with our families? Uh, how do we show up for them in a meaningful way? How do we stay connected to them? All that kind of stuff. It's, nice. it's born out of my personal experience. And uh, I'm just so grateful for the work that I get to do every single day. Yeah, cool, cool. Um, that makes sense. And I, I guess um, I love how niched down you got. So as I was listening, I was like, oh, this is you know, when you're describing what you do for who you do it with, I, I was like, oh, I know a few guys that are exactly like this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to have that. It's not just you're working with any creatives or like just married people in general, but like men running creative businesses and in freelance community. And that's uh, awesome. Uh, but I do want to say like, I, I don't just interview like any old coach and I'm sure you're a great coach. I know you work with awesome people, but like there's thousands of coaches out there and I find sure. coaching community a little boring, sort of. I, I don't know. It's not exciting to me. And I have like my own issues around the coaching world. <laughs> What's boring sport- about it? I'd I love mean, to not- hear. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I mean, this is probably more a conversation for my therapist, but I, I think it's <laughs> just like, I'm still stuck on like the reputation that coaching has, uh, like like a little bit of the sales side of it. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, and so, but, but the way that I was introduced to you was like so random. Cause a guy who was in my book club was like, you got to meet this guy, Chad. I think he's like really doing stuff that you would like. And he also just quit social media. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but that's cool. <laughs> he sounds interesting. <laughs> and so 
you are, um, I guess since January 1st, 2022, you shut down Instagram, you shut down Facebook, and you're just not doing that stuff. Is that correct? Yeah, my profiles are still there. So people can actually find me. Um, but then they'll be, you know, in the profiles, they'll be redirected into places they can stay in touch with me. Cool. So does that mean that someone's checking that stuff or it's truly being like in- inactive? Uh, oh, it's it, it's inactive. I don't I don't take a look at it, and I don't. You don't have look at it on, on your my... wife's Instagram, like no, Instagram. <laughs> no, I don't. Okay, just just making sure. I don't. Well, and you know, it's it's interesting. There's been once or twice that I've checked it because somebody's emailed me and said, "Hey, I sent you a message on Instagram, and the connection was me- so like the instant messaging." I've yeah. checked a couple times to stay connected to people who are authentically reaching out to me. That's cool. Um, I appreciate that. I think I think what you you are doing, and we're going to talk more about your life than just this one thing. But I just for like three minutes, I'm so curious. I, I feel like what you're doing with social media is something that a lot of people sort of dream of, but are mm-hmm. somehow terrified of taking that step into. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Oh, you must I know get exactly like amazing reactions from people when you tell them that you're doing this. Yeah, well, I I can so relate to that because it's something I dreamed of for probably three or four years, maybe even longer. Of like, man, what would life be like without this? Uh, without this stuff, um, yeah. what's what's the language barriers on your podcast? Uh, you can say whatever the hell you want. <laughs> okay, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, and and I, I I just for years I'm just like, God, oh, this is a necessary evil. I have to do it. Yep. It has been in the past. It has been the primary source for clients on the coaching side of stuff that I do. So um, I just always looked at it and said, Well, I can't leave it. I mean, it's my lifeblood. It's the lifeblood for my business. Yeah. Um, I also think you know we get um, accustomed to things. And then we can't see what's beyond them or what's outside of them. Yeah, definitely. And we're so ingrained to social media now, it's the only thing we see. Yeah. And, he, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I remember distinctly uh, in my MySpace days being like, what could, what could take down MySpace? Like, it's impossible. It has everything <laughs> I need. You know, like it was, I have photos here. I have my friends. I can talk to people. I have my top eight. You know, it was like, it was very strange to imagine that there was a world beyond MySpace. And and here we are, you know, 15, 20 years later, and there's lots of worlds beyond MySpace. And that's right. And, and there's worlds without MySpace too. And and I think that's what you're getting at, right? Is that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I forget your original question. Was it why I'm doing this? What's no, it was just more like, um, I'm curious about how free you feel. <laughs> oh, man. Um. Well, it's a paradox. Uh, And I think life happens in paradoxes. I don't think anything's straightforward. Uh, You know, everything happens in contradictions and in gray areas. So, you know, whenever you give up something like social media, it's just a likeness to other things in life too. Whenever you give up something like that or choose a different direction, you're making sacrifices, but also reaping benefits. Mm -hmm. And um, so for me, the benefits far outweigh the sacrifices. Uh, the benefits are my presence with my family, I feel like has increased significantly. Um, because one thing that I'm very, very open about is that, and not many people will admit this, but I don't, I, I don't think it's a rare, um, uh, a rare experience in life is that even though I wasn't a big consumer of the social media platform, like, you know, the, the endless death scroll, I didn't find yeah. myself in that a lot. What what I did find was that 
I was doing daily posts for a long time because, of course, that's what you're supposed to do, blah, 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 to get traction and beat the algorithm, whatever. And what I found myself doing is checking back in to see how my post is doing. How many Mm -hmm. likes? How many comments? Who's who are my regulars? Who are you know mm-hmm. whatever, and you gotta you gotta reply to comments quickly, uh, promptly if you want your post to continue to be pushed to more people. All of that stuff. I mean, yeah, I don't need to sugarcoat it in any way. It's an ego. Um, I wanted to right. see who was interested in me, and that's where most of my distraction came from with my family. Is I would make a post during the day. And then I would be wondering throughout the evening, how's that doing? Who's interacting with it? And it just, um, uh, I, ha- I found it difficult to shut it off. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. So, I, so much freedom came has come from that. But then yeah. there's been trade-offs. I would think that the freedom, too, is just from obligation. You know, like, um, I, I think I'm a big believer that we we ought not to have shoulds in our life. <laughs> like yep. we shouldn't have shoulds. Um, I always tell people don't should all over yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's funny. I, I also, I say like should is shame, you know, yep. it, uh, it that's coming from my Christian background, but like uh, there was so many shoulds, you know, you, sh- you shouldn't look at porn. You should, you should pray more. You should read the Bible. Um, and, and if you didn't, then, then something was off. And so, it's it's really tricky. I think the same thing kind of creeps in with the social media or anything. It's like, oh, I should, I should have a podcast. I should, I should have a blog. I should be doing this. And anytime we're not, then we're feeling guilty, and that that leads to the shame part. So I think if you can like exit that game, then then you there's so much sort of underlying shame and pressure that we're freeing ourselves from. I don't know. Maybe you experience that. Hopefully, absolutely, man. Um- you actually neurologically the should game you don't have a vote it is shame that's yeah. how it's manifest in our language part of the work that i do is that we we believe that the language we use shows our worldview or the way that the world occurs for us and mm-hmm. should is a big key word that i pay attention to just so i can see where men are uh, putting themselves in shame and it's a self-made prison but i'll say this man the shame doesn't exist in the social media platform yeah. So if shame is your racket in social media, even if you leave it and you don't deal with why you are racking yourself with shame, why you're building a self-made prison, it's just going to show up in other places. Oh, he's a good coach. I like this. <laughs> so it's just going to show up in, you know, because I'm not on social media now, my efforts are relationship. Um, and relationships are built in presence and communication and consistency. Sure. So now I used to, you know, my should used to be if I if I bought into the should thing would be you should be making posts, you should be replying to comments, you should be liking other people's stuff. If that were my mindset there, and I just quit social media, all I would now have is like you should be texting this person. You should be calling that person. Sure. You should be, you know, should, 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 should. So the, the mindset is not, um, is not dictated by the platform or the medium. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's just another conduit where it can show up. And I guess that, that goes with like the ego part too. Like if you haven't, if you haven't <clears throat> tamed your ego in the social media realm, then even if you don't have social media, it'll still show up in other places, I'm guessing. Yeah, I believe Um, that. 
the the thing. Okay, so I was also really excited to talk to you, not just about the social media thing, which I find fascinating, and I've also, yeah. Anyways, I, I'll have my own journey, and that I might be following your footsteps soon. We'll see, but um, but I was really excited to interview you today because you were like, I'm going to Alaska this weekend for a, a a bachelor party, and I'm coming back on Monday, and and I thought that was so cool that I just kind of wanted to catch you on the back end of this like insane trip that you may have taken. Oh yeah, it was it was life giving, man. Absolutely <laughs> invigorating, vitality to its finest. It was unbelievable. So it wasn't just like a bachelor party in Nashville or or Vegas or whatever. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, your experiences start to match the people you surround yourself with. Yes. So and what did you experience? Uh, connection, yeah. love, vulnerability, adventure, um, risk. Uh, how many guys were there? Four. Oh, Four that's that's intimate. So you guys got deep then. Yes, absolutely. Like. Yeah, man. It wasn't just uh, adventure. What what was some of the adventure? Just so we can like hear about the the sexy stuff, and then I wanna I wanna go deeper. Yeah, the sexy stuff was snowmobiling to glaciers where we got to hike through glacier caves. Uh-huh. That was really really cool. Back into the backcountry of Alaska, we ice fished. Uh, we got to watch the starting of the Iditarod. We ran wow. with reindeer. Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming to your next bachelor party. I don't know who is getting married, but I'm coming. Um, <laughs> dude. You, we can just do, do it and just call it a bachelor party. It doesn't even yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah. Um, wait, you ran with reindeer? Is that what you just said? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, as oh. part of the ceremonial kickoff for the Iditarod, they do a run with the reindeer or running of the reindeer. So it's kind of to simulate the running of the bulls. Yeah, uh, but That's yeah, insane. you're in this starting line, and they release a, a bunch of reindeer, and you're just running with them. No, no. do people get hurt? No, no, no. They're not quite ag- quite as aggressive as bulls. Yeah. <laughs> They're pretty yeah, docile. Their horns aren't as sharp. <laughs> they just want to get the hell out of there. Dude, that's wild! How cool! It was so fun. It was so fun. I love it. You, you know what? Um, sidebar. I have a big theory that the the key to living a long life is is or like maintaining your youth is experiencing new things. Yes. Like you were only gone for three days maximum, probably. Four, yes. Yeah. But you experience like a month's worth of memories, right? And mm-hmm. everything is like crystallized and and unique, and there's no everything was new. And and your brain was forced to like process it and like and and you had these yeah deep bonding moments with these people. That's and, it, man. Right? I and that's fully, how we fully agree. Time. Yeah. And you know, the interesting thing is is that you don't have to travel to Alaska to do that. Sure, sure. <laughs> There's opportunity in your every single day life or your everyday life that a lot you, harder though. Yeah. It is a lot harder because you you're running it through the filter or you have the filter on of regularity. But if you can turn that off and get curious, which is the foundation of all the work I do is curiosity. Oh, yeah. Um, then we can see moments in our everyday life to do things that we've never done before. That could be saying hi or starting a conversation with a stranger. Yep. Or, you know, a, a million, even taking a, a different drive to the office. I, I was literally just going to say taking a different route home. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. so powerful. Yeah, you're right. I mean that that yes. And it's still not Alaska, but yes, no. that is <laughs> that is one way to keep the world fresh for sure. Um I love that you know, it's funny that you say uh and you told me this too when we talked last week um that curiosity was sort of the driving 
force of your brand or, or what you talk about, right? Keeping yeah. curiosity alive. And I think for me, my, my thing is, is a lot about the should. Like I feel, I feel like most people are operating on, on societal kind of pressure and norms and family pressure to do certain things and be a certain way. And, and I, I like to reject the should part and question everything. Yeah. But I also have been saying for like almost a, a couple of years now is that um, I keep telling people work-life balance is like is, is a lie that um, I think there's a, a thing called work-life integration. And I went to your website and you have that exact sentence like in the middle of your website. That's that right, work man. Life Balance is a lie. And uh, you said, welcome to work-life integration. I've never heard anybody else say this before. And I got goosebumps like when I got to your website today before this interview. And I know that you're like my people because of that. I love this. Yeah, I love that. This idea. I mean, everybody, when they start as one of my clients and and listen, I all of my work is born out of my personal experience. You spot it, you got it, right? You can only see what you've experienced. Yep. Um, and so for, for me, you know, this idea of work-life balance is actually one of the things that's keeping us in the most suffering. We, we pretend we buy into the idea that there's a work life and there's a personal life. Mm. And I just don't believe that's true. I believe that we are our work and our work is us. Yeah. And they are so, we don't even have a choice. It's not like choose to integrate them. They are already integrated. The more you work against the integration, the more suffering you experience. Hmm. The more you embrace the integration, to be in a place of work where you can bring your home life and your personal life with you and vice versa is really incredibly powerful. Um, and it, it, a lot of the discontent, I believe, a lot of the discontent that business owners and freelancers have is they're trying to separate the two. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, so this is why I always say when people ask me, like I, I was in, I don't know, where was I? And I was in Colorado two weeks ago uh, for a friend's birthday snowboarding. And they're like, oh, are you in Colorado for work or for play? And I, I always say, well, both. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, it's a photographer friend. I'm, I'm going to be snowboarding with a wedding planner who might hire me. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm hanging out on my friend's couch. I'm seeing my best friend. I just photographed my friend's babies and I might get some work out of this. Um, yeah. And it's sort of like all of the above. But it's easy for me because I'm single and I don't have kids or a wife or a husband or anything, you know? Yeah. Um, I want to know how you do it. How, how are you integrating it if, if a lot of your work is just like coaching men or you go on a retreat or something? Like, how is your family being brought into that or what's your solution to that? response. Yeah, I, well, I mean, it's everything, right? It's it's in every fiber and I'm not saying I'm perfect at it for sure. sure. I'm working, it's a practice. I believe everything that we talk about, everything in this conversation that I mentioned, it's going to might sound like I've got it figured out. I don't, I promise. Okay. Um I'm practicing it. And that's the life work that I'm interested in is how do I practice these things? You know, how do I bring my work into my family? Well, it's cool because my kids are old enough now where I can have really meaningful, we're, we're having really meaningful conversations and we're wrestling together with, with difficult topics or ideas. Mm. And I, I talk to my kids regularly about the conversations that I'm having with other dads. 
it's a it's really cool to have a conversation ask them what do they think hey here's you know my client's really struggling with this with their kids or you know that sort of thing. Uh, what would what what do you think? What would you do? What would you what yeah. advice would you give? And that's been incredibly powerful. You're giving me goosebumps, man. I love that. Uh, my, my dad was a therapist as I was growing up, and he would always tell me about story, you know, without revealing identification stuff. Right, right, right. He would tell he would tell stories of like his stuff that was happening in the office or people almost my age who are addicted to drugs and and like not cautionary tales, but just sort of like this is what I'm doing and this is the advice I gave and and I That's always right. remember those conversations. That's so cool. That's so yeah. neat. As with my wife, you know, we've we've made an agreement, and this is really really important. I want people to hear that part of it. That we've made an agreement to support each other in the challenges and struggles of our work. Um, when you don't have that agreement, and then you come home and you dump your work challenges or problems on the person, on your partner, that's not healthy. But when you have a clear agreement of how you relate to the challenges that each experiences in their work and how you're going to talk about it, then you can really support each other. And she is so powerful in supporting me. And she asks me questions that I'm not, I haven't thought to ask myself. They're blind spots, right? She challenges me in ways that are really, really powerful. Um, When I'm perceiving something as a challenge. She'll ask questions that help me see how it's actually an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it all, it all comes from the agreement and the commitment that we have for each other in our work. That's cool. And what does she do? Is she working or? Yeah, she's a yoga instructor and a preschool teacher. Oh, amazing. Yeah. She's okay, amazing. Cool. So you guys, st- yeah. Do you, do you run normal nine to five hours for yourself or? Uh, it's all over the place. It really depends. Um, I've really gotten better at practicing my planning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as I've gotten further into this freelance thing, um, and and that's been really helpful. Even though the schedule looks different often, um, nobody in the family is wondering or questioning what's going on because we we plan and we make each other aware of what's what's there. That's cool. And how old are your kids again? Uh, my oldest is 15, my middle is 12, and my youngest is 8. Girl, okay, girl, boy. Right. Got it. Girl, girl, boy, 15, 12, and 8. I remember in our conversation, another fascinating thing, you went, how, how long was it? You went into like a camper van and just toured around for a year, a month? or Yeah. Yeah, well, we converted a school bus actually uh, into yeah. a tiny home. <laughs> so the conversion process took me just over 10 months. Okay. How uh, long ago was this? This was, um, we sold our home in the fall of it had to be 20, like three or four years ago, 17, right? I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If anybody's interested, you can see the whole journey on our YouTube channel, Love Always Adventure Often. Uh, it's, Love it's Always kind of fun Adventure to, Often to, to yeah. see what we were up to. But yeah, so we, yeah. uh, we converted the bus for nine months and then we lived oh, in it for about sake. six. Yeah, yeah. So if if anybody's interested, you can find it. We did a YouTube channel of the whole adventure of the bus build out and the adventures that we had on the bus. We built it out for nine months and we lived in it for about six. I want to know now that you've been doing this, it says on your website, you've been coaching for eight years. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Um, what what do you what's like your dream for years 10 through 15? 
Oh man, that's amazing. That's a great question. Um, I want to continue down the track that I'm, that I'm on helping business owners figure this stuff out. Um, I have some ideas for maybe some wider reaching products. Um, are you talking about a book? Uh, no, <laughs> maybe a short book, maybe an ebook. I, I could, I could fathom at this point. Um, I don't have a lot of ambitions for a book, more, um, more e-products, more video stuff. I'm great. I love doing okay. video stuff. Um, something that's more accessible for some of the people who can't dive into a coaching engagement. Um, that's yeah. been really important to me. I'm noticing a huge gap in the prices that I charge and who's able to uh, jump into it compared to who could really benefit for, from some of the stuff that I talk sure. about. So, Are you willing to share your pricing right now? Yeah, absolutely. No problem. So I'm $7,500 for six months. Got it. It's a six-month agreement minimum um, because that's it's going to take some time, obviously, to get a handle on our language. That's what yep. we work on first. And it's all in the context of what's happening in life right now. It's not like I have a set program where you know there's levels or whatever. It's literally in the moment, in free fall together, exploring yeah. what's happening and exploring the language that we're using about around it because literally our language reveals our thinking. And um, that's the only window I have into my client's thinking. So yeah, that's great. Um, that, yeah. that, that's right on par with like people I, I know who I've even I've interviewed on this podcast who are doing like high level coaching. Yep. So that's great. You're right in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been great. And, um, I just have a desire for a a wider reach and I'm figuring out how to make that happen. Yeah. And, and are you like, you have a number of people, a a maximum or minimum number of people that you like working with, or I'm asking because I I am doing a little bit of coaching, but I don't, it's not my full-time thing. So I'm curious how people kind of organize their lives around this. Yeah. Uh, my magic number is between 13 and 15 one-to-one clients. So your price point is kind of works for a certain type of person who can afford $7,500 to work on themselves, but you want to um, reach the masses is what you're saying. Yeah. I want to reach, well, I want to reach both. I definitely don't want to abandon my one-to-one work. That's obviously the most impactful way that we yeah. can create results. Um, but the reach, I mean, there's just Oh man, I talk with so many men week in and week out who are suffering and are struggling. And it's it it's so difficult for me when they're unable to be in the position to invest in themselves at that level. So if I can create something, you know, and it's a lifestyle thing for me too. I don't always want to have 15 one-to-one clients. And as that number goes down, the the cost is going to go up or the the investment is going to go up, right? For my clients. Um, and one thing that I really focus on is we were talking about when the last track fails is that my invitation to men is to create the life that they want, not a life by yeah. default, but a life that they, that they love and they're excited yes, about. Yes. And, um, having some of those products and those opportunities that can scale without my, my time investment is, um, is something that I want in my life. And so, um, it's the same reason I got off social media. It's the exact same principle Mm -hmm. is that I'm teaching men to get rid of what's not working for them to not do anything by default. And that's what social media was for me. It was something by default that I thought I had to do not by design. Yeah. Yeah. You, you just sort of accepted that that's, that's, 
part of the package of being an, an entrepreneur or freelancer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like, you know, you know I, I think you mentioned to me before when we were talking on the phone that you liked my curiosity. And I think it's just, I don't know if I told you this, but I was a philosophy major. <laughs> yeah. You and, did tell me that. Oh yeah. So my favorite part about being a philosophy major was that we were like trained to just question everything, you know? Yeah. There was no like, ah, this is the way it is. So that's what you do. It was like, why, why is this the way it is? And should it be that way? Um, and so, and I think that spills over. I mean, that was the one thing I got out of being a philosophy major was just being sort of, uh, not accepting everything at face value and questioning, like, is this how relationships should look like for me? Or is this how I should be as an entrepreneur? Is this just because like high achieving people get up at five in the morning? What if I want to sleep till 10 AM? You know, like, can I, can I create the life that I want? Like you're describing and I call it lifestyle design, which I'm sure you've thrown that term around too. I love Absolutely. That. Yeah. I'm, the interesting thing is that I, I, I love the question. I love to ask people the question. What do you think the opposite of curiosity is? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, let me try to answer this. Um, oh. Acceptance? I don't know. I say, and I don't want to ask anybody yeah. to believe me, but I say the opposite of curiosity is proving. Oh, tell me more. We can't hold both states at the same time. We can't look to prove something in our lives, in our perspective, in our political views, whatever it is. We can't, we can't be looking to prove to other people that we are right and be curious at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you said this. Yeah, that's right. And so the opportunity is, you know, I always talk about there's, there's two types of listening. Mm-hmm. One type of listening is listening to prove. So if I'm listening to you, Phil, and we're debating a point or something, or we're having a conversation about something, it doesn't we don't even have to disagree. But if I'm looking to prove something to you, whether to look good, feel good, be right, be in control, or to bring you over to my side of the viewpoint, or just to, if I'm listening to think about what I'm going to say next... I'm listening to prove and a, there's disconnection. There's zero connection in that conversation. Yeah. We're isolated. But yeah. if I'm, if I'm listening to learn, which is curiosity, then we can connect because I get to see you. Um, even despite my opinions or, or not even despite with my opinions, with my perspective, I still get to see you. Yeah, you, you know, you know, it's funny. You must have you ever taken improv classes? <laughs> <laughs> no, but in fact, there's a local place here called Comedy Sports. Yeah, Ooh, Comedy Sports them. is great. And I really, I've been looking at them for the last couple of years, and I've made up that I'm too busy. I need to be stop being too busy uh, and just get it done. Well, I, I think like the improv world has so many parallels to what you're describing. It's like a fascinating take on on true listening and response without any agenda. You know. If someone if someone says something in improv, then then you don't, and it, it's sort of like a different direction than you had in your mind. You you go with them. You know, you it's go. always yes and, and so mm-hmm. there's never a, there's never the closed mindedness like you're describing. But I think improv has like can inform so many people, and it really opens you up to just like anything is possible, right? Oh my god, I love improv so much. Yeah. It is like <laughs> it is my well, I can't say I don't know if it's my favorite. It might be my favorite type of comedy. That's funny. Improv comedy. I love yeah, there's it. There's some good stuff. There's a, uh, I'll have to think of the podcast. There's a whole podcast by improvers that's about inanimate objects and like pretending to be a, um, 
like a it's like it's like these deep interviews kind of um npr style but with like a lamp post or a pillowcase oh or whatever gosh, that and, sounds and amazing i know it's really funny but but it's improv so like everything that the pillowcase is saying is all just sort of responding in their character to whatever the question is without oh, scripts and it's so good um I'll, I'll figure out what it's like inanimate objects or interviews with objects or something like that it's a good one um that's funny so okay, so you're you seem like you're on just like a healthy sort of normal path, yeah. Sure, I don't know what normal is, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you feel stable to me, which is nice, I guess. I think you and I are probably the same age. I'm forty. You're like thirty nine or thirty eight. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and like, how do you feel about where you're at, given your age and your family and everything in your life? Oh, I'm so incredibly grateful for where I am. Like I just have so much gratitude for where I am. It's 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 amazing. I'm learning. I'm falling. I'm failing constantly, and that's it. Like I'm finally in a place in my life where I'm happy to fail. Mm. Not saying it doesn't hurt. Not saying that there isn't some discontent or suffering that comes with it. But I do know that when I'm failing, I'm challenge. I'm I'm being challenged, and I'm rising to the challenge. And that's for me. That's everything. Now I used to think if something. I used to believe that if there was suffering or if there was challenge, something was wrong. Mm. And now for me, it's like, no, something's right. I'm, I am, uh, I'm in it. I'm in the journey and I'm playing the game. Yeah. I don't know if I, yeah, I, (laughs) I hear that. It's hard. I don't like, I I definitely am someone who feels like if things are hard or, or off, then, then something's wrong and it needs to be fixed quickly. But, uh, (laughs) The problem is, is that once you fix something, there's just another thing. I know, but Jesus, oh man, there's like so many layers. I feel like in my, in, in the last couple of years, I've done more work on myself than I have like the first 20 years. And I've, I've been doing, I was telling you, I've been doing this men's work stuff for like the last 13 years and really thinking that I've been like peeling off layers of my psyche and ego and like in life and challenging myself. And then I just started therapy last year and I was like, oh, I have like barely touched the surface. It feels like there's still so much like tears underneath here and shame and, and, uh, all kinds of like weird relationship stuff that I'm working on. So it's, it's been, uh, it feels like, uh, I don't want to say exhausting, but like, I just want to be like, okay, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is, this is interesting, man. I'm so glad you brought this up because I can't tell you how often I hear this from men yeah, is that, does it ever stop? It's exhausting. Yeah. Right. And, and it can be exhausting, but I believe that seeing it as exhausting is a choice. Okay. I really do believe that. You're right. You're right. Right. So I'm, I, I'd hear really closely to a lot of stoic philosophy. I, I love stoic philosophy. It's, it's, created so much opportunity and opening in my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that um, is a pretty prominent stoic principle is this idea that we will always be challenged. Mm. There will always be a challenge. There is no arrival. Mm -hmm. And if you live assuming an arrival, you will feel discontent. You will feel a a, um, misalignment with life. Like something's wrong. Yeah. But if you welcome challenge as a lifelong journey, mm-hmm. that's it. That's all we're doing. Yeah. 
Just yes. challenge to challenge. That's it. Sure. But we're adjusting. And, and I hear you. We're, we're adjusting our relationship to challenge. It's not yes. something to be like resolved. It's something to be like to to accept or to to deal with in a healthy way instead of unhealthy ways. But it'll right always, on, yeah. man. Right on. It's the same same way I relate to death. Hmm. Which is <laughs> the more the more you resist the idea of the finality of death, the more disconnected from life you will be. Oh, uh, yeah, that's amazing. I th- we're going to just stop right there because I love that as a final sentence. Thank you, Chad. Um, I will put some notes down for people to find your stuff online. And uh, I think you're awesome. This is definitely room for conversation number two at some point in the future. Oh, please. I'd be honored. You're, you're amazing, brother. I really do. I'm so sincere when I tell you your curiosity is just amazing to me, inspiring to me. Uh, thank you so much, man. I love talking to you. 